coming to get you, Barbara. I am Dracula. Red rum! Red rum! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Dinosaur ain't no dinosaur. This is Darnish Horror Month. We all go a little mad sometimes. She might have fooled me, but she didn't fool my mother. Hello, 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 and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. This week is a super special episode here at the Film Church because we are celebrating our 100th episode and talking about one of the greatest horror films ever made. Psycho from 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock and starring Anthony Perkins, Janet Leigh and a mysterious woman lurking in the upstairs bedroom. Um, As always, listen to the end of the show to um, find out what we'll be watching next week for Film Church. Um, we have a special episode today. We're going to mix it up a little bit as it is our 100th. Um, so we're going to add some new things in, which is going to be pretty cool. So stick around um, for that. It will be coming up very shortly. And before we jump into all the festivities, though, we'd like to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast so far. Um, 100 episodes is quite a lot. Um, and we've been putting them out every week for nearly, what, like two years? Almost two years. Um so thank you to everyone that's listened to one, two, a hundred. Um, it means a lot. We really appreciate you being here. We like doing this. We like you listening. Um, it's great. We like to talk about movies. I hope you like listening to us talk about movies too. Um, you can find us on all social media platforms at Film Church Radio, or you can leave us a comment or send a message about the show. Um, there's some extra stuff over on our YouTube as well. And you can follow Brandon and I on Letterboxd. Um, We'll give our handles at the end of the show. So stick around for that too. And you can get in touch there. Um, send us your reviews for films that we've watched. We love to hear about them. Um, normally, now, we would talk about other films we've been watching this week. But as this is a super special bumper episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're still in our Darnish Horror Month. Brandon and I are going to talk a little bit about, I think, our favorite horror movies. And then we're going to pass it over to some former guests and friends of the show um to let us know their picks um so we've got some special um voice notes from them as well which is very exciting looking forward to hearing what they pick um but brandon what's your favorite horror movie ever you know (laughs) i didn't really think about it before we press record but (laughs) uh you know i love evil dead like yeah the original is freaking incredible i talked about it in our top 10 movies episode it's just amazing to me yeah that sam raimi and bruce campbell and everybody involved in that movie were able to create something that was you know really low budget and just has stood the test of time and impacted so many other films yeah and it's still going strong you know i mean it's just a film that will live on yeah you know um yeah it's just like undead (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah it's just incredible every time i watch it i'm just like this is amazing Mm. um first time i saw it you know of course was super disturbed (laughs) like everyone i'm sure when they first saw it yeah uh it just feels like 
something evil is living in the film. Yeah. While you're watching it, it's possessed. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, love it. Good. Evil Dead is good. Not <laughs> Evil Dead Two though. Evil Dead One. I mean, both both are good, but I yeah. I'm a sucker for the first one. I think. I mean yeah. that you can see the progression of filmmaking as they go, and they're all yeah. really good. But I I think it's just something about that first one that is just. It's more horror than comedy, and then like as they go on, it's more comedy than horror. Although, yeah, they're still brilliant. You know, it's just something about that first one is truly eerie. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, it took me a long time, I think, to get to Evil Dead, but it's worth the wait. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think because I think um, a few people have mentioned. Um, some of my favorites coming up, so I'm trying not to pick any of those. I wouldn't say I have like a nailed on favorite. I have ones that I really like. Yeah. Um, uh, American Werewolf in London is very high mm. on the list. Oh yeah. Um, I just love the mix of like. I think it just gets funnier the more you watch it. Yeah. Which is always the intent. You know, at first it's kind of you know you're looking for the special effects and the werewolf and stuff, but then when you've kind of got past that, it's just really funny. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> all the way yeah. through, um, which is all, which is good. You know, yeah, um, I just watched it for the first time last year, and I, everybody's always said like American Werewolf in London is one yeah. of the greatest movies ever made, and you know, it's just one of those things that you you just keep just keeps passing you by. But finally, pinned it down during you know this horror season last year and watched yeah. it and was just like, yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I should rewatch that again this year. Yeah, um, I really like Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. the original. Obviously, I think that it's real. You know, that's got the same kind of, you know, laugh scare ratio to it. And I mean, I watched it for the first time with my sister quite recently. Well, it was her first time I watched it before. Yeah, and she was like, "I don't like this because." I like sleep. In like you know, like I, I like going <laughs> yeah. to sleep. I don't like that this is a guy that can get you in your dreams. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's why it's so good because it's such a you know it 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 shouldn't work at all. Yeah. But what's more terrifying than not like that's the safest place you can be. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it's amazing. That's like a big difference between childhood and adulthood. I think is like when you're a kid, you're like. I don't want to go to sleep. Yeah. And when you're a doll, you're just like, I just want to sleep. And, That's yeah, all I want. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you're watching them trying to stay awake for like six days straight, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. This is a I nightmare. I feel your pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's good. And Only Barbar is one of my favorite films ever. I wouldn't say that it's like super scary though. I think that it's yeah. just... Like it's just kind of on the fringes of horror. Yeah, it's I know like that haunting kind of imagery. Done. Yeah, yeah. How many but times have you watched it now? Um, I think three or four. Okay, so it's getting up there. I only um, watched it once. I need to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I watched it a few weeks ago while I'm going through this like horror retread Season. area. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, it's great. The imagery is just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah, um, I mean they're. There's loads out there. I could keep going. I mean, the thing is great. Oh my god! John Carter, yeah. The thing, um, you know, it's 
one after another, really. Yeah. For this horror season. Um, See, I'm always like, anytime anybody asks me, I feel like it's just the pressure of the question. And I'm like, I don't know. Have I seen a horror movie? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Nosferatu as well. I mean, this is the problem. You start thinking about it and there's all these films that you've missed off. Yeah. And it's like, no, I like those films. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, especially American Werewolf in London, is a film that I go back to a lot. Mm -hmm. And it always feels fresh. Yeah. Which is important, you know. And yeah, everyone should check them out because they're great. Yeah. Um, What we're going to do now, though, is we're going to play some voice clips from some, as I said, contributors and friends of the show that have been so kind to send in their um, recommendations. Um, So we're just kind of going to roll them one after another and we'll link everybody's um, Twitter handle and everything in the show notes. Um, so we can, you know, you can go and follow them and see if there's any other tidbits that they share. But um, without further ado, let's roll. So my favorite horror movie of all time is Army of Darkness, without a doubt. Um, it should have been called Medieval Dead. By all means, it's a better title. Um, but Army of Darkness is my favorite. It's also like the first horror movie I ever saw. So I really enjoyed how cheesy and how fun it was. Um, it was right around the era where I would be like watching Goosebumps and reading Goosebumps and, you know, scary stories tell in the dark and all that kind of stuff. So I really like Army of Darkness for its cheese and it's like over the top campiness. Um, but as far as like horror horror movies go, I uh, 28 Days, I think, is the coolest zombie um, kind of horror movie. Um, and I really like like TV shows like uh, Haunting of Hill House, I think, is probably my favorite horror thing ever because it's like genuinely scary. Um, without being like uh, f- uh, focused on jump scares. But, um, you know, Haunting a Hill House, I like Insidious quite a bit. Um, but yeah, uh, Army of Darkness is, is by all means my favorite horror movie. I'm the kind of guy that looks a little bit of comedy to my horror, so my favorite horror film is going to be Zombieland, made in 09 with a sequel in 2019. I love the creative ways the characters get out of crazy situations, and the music in both of the films were just on par with what was going on in the scenes. It has great character uh, background stories and a great cast, if you're in the mood for both comedy and horror, I recommend the Zombieland series. So um, my favorite horror movie and just one of my favorite movies in general is uh, Wes Craven's uh, Scream from 1996. Um, I just, I'm in love with that movie. It's something that I watch year round. Uh, I just find it, it's so revolutionary and imaginative and ushered us into the 21st century of horror movies as we know them. And so Wes Craven, someone I really admire. I think he's on the Mount Rushmore of uh, horror movie directors. Um, And so, yeah, Scream is just one of my favorite movies of all time. So going off of that, um, if you like Scream, my recommendation would definitely be another Wes Craven flick. It's going to be Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is his second entry into the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series. Um, so obviously he had done the first one and then he went away and, you know, didn't do any of the sequels and pretty famously just disdained them. So, uh, but then he returned to the franchise a little bit before Scream. It might've been 94, I think. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And so I think, uh, if you can imagine the metatextual commentary of Scream, but with a character much more wacky and surreal as Freddy Krueger, 
um, then, and that that sounds like something you would enjoy, I think that's right up your alley. He was doing all the meta stuff that he does in Scream, but there were really no limits because he was able to go uh, go all out with someone crazy like Freddy Krueger. And then um, my questions about Psycho. Um, I love Psycho. It's it's uh, obviously revered for a reason. One of Hitchcock's best. Um, my question actually is probably going to be: um, I wanted to know if y'all have seen it or and what y'all think of it. If y'all have um, the Gus Van Zant Gus Van Sant uh, Psycho movie with Vince Vaughn and Julianne Moore. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's kind of a trip and I, I read that it wasn't very well liked at the time and because Psycho is kind of the sacred text, um, it's like the Tennessee Williams of horror movies. So you're not really supposed to touch it, but, uh, Gus Van Zant, Gus Van Zant, uh, sure did. And he made something that's, um, pretty out there that takes some risk, but you got to appreciate a movie that takes some risk, I think. But, uh, Yeah. So those are my three. Scream, uh, Gus Van Zandt's uh, Psycho, and uh, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Hallelujah and congratulations to Film Church Radio for episode 100. I'm, I'm hyped already for the next 100 episodes, and I can't wait to see what you guys are going to talk about next. So I actually have a verse here from the book of J-Horror, chapter 20, verse 19, which covers the film Pulse. Directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, also the director of the phenomenal horror film Cure, and another great thriller, Creep. Definitely recommend those as well. Pulse is, without getting too much into it, it's basically a tech horror thriller. A tech horror nightmare, really. I love the cinematography. Stuck with me so much to the point where it used to give me nightmares. It's dreamlike. It's eerie. It's like one of those nightmares you have when you take a nap around 2 or 3 p.m., and everything is bleak. The sun is out, but everything still seems so washed out and dark. It's definitely a film that's going to settle in you. It's going to germinate. It's going to grow. And I consider it to be terrifying. Maybe other people won't find it. But I will say, just as a warning, it's one that's actually going to scare you. So go into that. Go into it knowing that. <laughs> and don't, don't blame me if, you know, you get those nightmares. But, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much of the plot. Let's just say it involves the internet at a time where the internet was so, like, at least I didn't know how terrifying the internet could be. This is before I read my first uh, YouTube comment section, by the way. And, yeah, I think one of the biggest things about it, the story is epic, it's great. And one of the biggest things about it that stuck with me was that cinematography. I've had nightmares that look just like it. And if you watch it, you just might too. Once again, hallelujah. Thank God for Film Church Radio, and everybody keep listening. Congratulations, guys. The thing about my favorite movies is that they change every day. So in trying to pin down my favorite horror movie today, uh, I'm going to go with a film that I have loved revisiting over and over since I was a teenager, and that is King Kong from 1933 because he's the king of the Hollywood movie monsters. Now, your your mileage may vary on whether you consider it a horror film. I'm pretty loosey-goosey when it comes to classifying horror. 
Um, most of the sequels or remakes or adaptations of Kong usually lean more into adventure and fantasy and less into horror. But the original picture was made to frighten the audience, and it did scare the pants off of the first audiences who saw it. What was that? Uh, 90 years ago. Um, <laughs> what what makes this film work so much for me, I think, is Willis O'Brien, the visual effects master who animated Kong and gave him so much life and personality. I'm also a little biased because I love stop motion. Um, but without O'Brien, I don't think we'd have a classic. Uh, and the other major factor is how loaded this film is with iconic imagery. Kong's first reveal, his battle with the T-Rex, the image of him chained up on stage, uh, he's rampaging through New York City, and his last stand on the Empire State Building, these images are designed so that when you see them for the first time, they have a strong emotional impact on you. And when you leave the theater, they're images that stay with you. Uh, they've certainly stayed with me. And for my money, that is the mark of a classic. Hey, what's up? So my favorite horror movie is John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, it's so iconic. I'm a huge fan of practical effects. So it's very inspiring for me um, in that way. Also, just that specific type of body horror that it introduced me to, um, I feel like is psychologically just terrifying in a way that other things aren't for me. Um, so I really love everything about the film and it's super inspiring to me as a filmmaker as well. So one of my favorite classic horror films would have to be the original Exorcist, um, I think even the special effects and everything like really hold up. Um, I love all the practical effects uh, and it's, it's still scary, even though it's, it's older, it's, you can still watch it today and it's still scare the crap out of you. Um, as far as newer horror, I loved uh, get out and basically anything Jordan pill does. Um, I love the, the humor he's able to sprinkle throughout his movies while also telling like really creative stories. Um, so yeah, the exorcist and as for newer ones, probably get out. I tend to bounce around a lot when deciding on a favorite horror movie, but I think my favorite right now would have to be within the Saw franchise, particularly the second and third movies. The gore is disgustingly good. It's got a lot of dark humor in it. The cinematography is to die for, <laughs> pun intended. And I absolutely love the thought that gets put into each and every trap in the movies. I also love watching a lot of behind the scenes videos on how each trap is made. And I think my favorite trap would have to be the needle pit, both on screen and behind the scenes. Uh, for a while, I was kind of doubting Saw's future when Spiral came out in 2021. But with Saw X having come out just a couple of weeks ago... Uh, it's making me optimistic for what's to come, you know, so long as our jigsaw killer Tobin Bell is still alive and kicking. My favorite horror movie is John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. To me, this is everything a horror movie should be. It is scary. The villain is so evil and creepy. The scares are really, really well done. The story is very simple, easy to follow. Acting is very good. Puts Jamie Lee Curtis on the map, so that's always a plus. And the music, how can we not talk about the music? Such an iconic score, it gets stuck in my head. It's a movie that just really gets me in the mood for the fall, for the cooler weather, and for the Halloween holiday. 
Have to watch it every year. Halloween, one of my absolute favorites. Hey, my name is Jason Woods. I am a filmmaker based in Louisiana. And honestly, my favorite horror movie would have to be between Get Out or this lovely cult classic called Blood Rage. <laughs> Congratulations on the 100th episode. Cool. I mean, there was so many there um, that are favorites of mine. I know that we had listened to them before we did our favorites, so I didn't want to mention like Scream, yeah, which I love. Um, King Kong from Zach is such a good choice. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of, I mean, we would expect this from Zach at this point, but thinking outside the box and like, yeah, you know, a bit of a a, a left field ball, but um, but I mean. valid as hell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, my cousin Seth mentioned uh, The Exorcist, which, mm. you know, I said at the top of the show, like, Evil Dead is one of my favorite, but I don't think Evil Dead would exist without The Exorcist, because that yeah. was, like, Evil Dead was, like, taking what they did with The Exorcist in a different direction. Yeah. And, yeah, The Exorcist yeah. is freaking amazing. It's the 50th anniversary this year. So yeah. uh, that's the movie I've kind of bookmarked for Halloween night. Because I'm like, this needs proper attention. It needs to be uh-huh. watched in the right environment. Yeah. So I'm going to be re-watching it soon. I'm excited. Sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, some great picks. I think, you know, any of those would be good. And I loved, as you said, that how diverse they are. You yeah. Know, every yeah. single... I, I was a bit worried that we'd kind of get, you know, the a lot of things. the same. Yeah. But we definitely didn't. Yeah. Which is Thanks, nice. everybody. You're awesome. Yeah. We appreciate you sending those in. It, it means a lot. Um, but now, I mean, I think it's time to move on to our feature presentation with perhaps one of the greatest horror and movies of all time. Psycho from 1960. The letterbox summary is the master of suspense moves his cameras into the icy blackness of the unexplored. When real estate clerk Marion Crane goes on the lam with a wad of cash and hopes of starting a new life, she ends up at the notorious Bates Motel, where manager Norman Bates cares for his housebound mother. Psycho. I mean, I'm so glad that we're doing this for the 100th show. I think in terms of movies, there's there's not many that are as perfect as Psycho. Um, when was the first time you watched it? Because I know that we both watched it in the past. Yeah, you know, it's weird because I can't, really recall i think i i think i must have watched it because i had already seen a lot of hitchcock growing up um but psycho i think maybe was one that maybe my parents didn't want me to see or or i don't Mm -hmm. i don't i don't even know if they had seen it but you know my dad was always wanting to show us hitchcock films you know, but Psycho, I guess, is a little more edgy. Yeah. So, you know, but as like a young teenage filmmaker, I would, of course, hear about Psycho all the time. So I think I might have just, I might have just downloaded it illegally <laughs> 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 so that I could watch it and, and probably just watched it in my room when yeah. I was like 15 or 16. Yeah, by myself just to like finally watch it. Um, 
Yeah, and it's just it's just an instant classic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like anytime I watch Psycho, well, the, it, like there's several movies I feel like this, but especially with Psycho, it's like you watch it and you're like, yeah, that's the greatest movie ever made. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like obviously, I didn't pick it for my top ten or whatever. But like, you know, it's still there's just there's just so many great movies out there and like there's a reason psycho has uh impacted so for so long um and holds up man i mean it's it's a completely different time in history but it still just works yeah it does yeah i mean every you know this I, i was watching it this time um and i was just really really struck by how the tension is built, but even when, you know, Marion is murdered, the tension's still there, even though that, you know, we were kind of invested in her as a character. It was, it's just a masterful way of like continuing to raise the stakes, even when the worst has happened. Yeah. Because then you're like worried about Norman being caught or like, what's his, you know, his crazy mother going to do or like, yeah. Cause you kind of like him. Yeah, he's the boy next door, right? I mean, yeah. he's supposed to be like the all-American kind of, you know, youth. Even though he's like a peeping Tom creep guy, but, yeah, you know, it's still... Oh, we all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's this is the thing. I think a lot of people draw comparisons between Norman peeking through the hole and us as a viewer watching the movies. Well, that's true, you know, because the movie starts off with a super sexy scene. Yeah. You know, with, you know, uh, Janet Lee in her underwear. Mm -hmm. And I'm in. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then it's like, look what you're doing. This is you. You Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You dirty, dirty boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just love, like, there's so much greatness in this film. We could talk about it for yeah. the next 100 episodes. Yeah. But um you know, the obvious one is like the the opening scene, she's wearing a white bra and then when she steals yeah. the money, she like is in a black bra. Yeah. Cuz she's a criminal. Mhm. Yeah, she's changed. She's not pure anymore. <laughs> um yeah, there's just so many things like that. There was one thing that I was thinking about this time watching it where I was like, okay, so Marion Crane is dating this married man, right? Yeah. Well, he's divorced, I think. Oh, he's divorced. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I was just seeing a parallel there when like the sheriff at the end is talking about um uh Norman's mother finding out that her lover was married mm-hmm. and just i don't know thinking about i guess looking at the movie almost like religiously thinking about like okay like the marion crane character she's living a sinful life or whatever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then she commits a crime yeah you know that's also a religious crime you know thou shall not steal yeah and and then she gets what's like coming to her, right? She yeah. like she has to atone. Um 
I don't know. And then just thinking, of, I don't know, just thinking about like, I th- I sometimes think about the generations of film and like yeah. the ba- the backstories and stuff and just thinking about like, I wonder if, if she had lived and, mm. you know, married Sam, if they would have, if she would have had like a kid just like Norman yeah. and the, who ended up killing her <laughs> or something, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Just thinking about the, some of the parallels there was interesting. Yeah. I think it's, Definitely. I think, I mean, leading on, I think there's the, the definite um, divide of the duality of characters. You know, Mo- Norman is obviously two people, but Marion is to a certain extent because while she's in the hotel room in the opening, she's like, no, we need to have like a like a proper meal at my house, you know, like in front of my sister. She, You know, we need to do this properly. Yeah. But then she's like, within, you know, an hour, she's like, I'm going to steal all this money so that we can be together. Yeah. You know, it's like the two polar opposites. It's wanting that, like, white picket fence American relationship, but it's also like, I know for us to do it, we've got to, I've got to, you know, steal all this money. It's very, you know, you're not, she's not, as an audience member, you know, anything like that, should we should frown upon. We shouldn't be pulling for her, but we wanted to, wanted to end up with Sam, you know? Yeah. We also like excitement and like yeah. she, you know, there's no, there's no like her sitting there like trying to decide if she should take this money. She just takes it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's quite happy to like leave a sister, leave a job. Yeah. Like there'd be no going back after this. You know, yeah. she she's just like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm in it with this guy forever. Yeah. Which is quite a choice to make. And it's very, it's just like a snap. It's just like, okay, cool. I'm doing it. Yeah. All right. You know, this money. Bye. She sees the opportunity and she takes it. Yeah. Which is what Norman does or his mother, I should say. So what was, uh, your first time watching this film? Like, I don't know if I've talked about it before. Um, psycho is the movie that <laughs> not to sound too dramatic, but it changed my life. Um, yeah. I'd been into movies a lot and, um, like it's particularly like the James Bond films, but over just watching them a lot, I was really into like the behind the scenes and like learning who directed and who wrote each one and yeah, you know all that kind of stuff. So I'd always been interested in like film. Um, and then one Christmas, my parents bought me like a Hitchcock DVD set because I hadn't watched many, and they were like, "Okay, if you really like enjoying film, you should watch these because yeah. he's like he's great. He's the um, master." Yeah, so I was going through them, and I knew nothing about the films. I had no, like, I didn't know any spoilers or anything like that. And the first time I watched Psycho, I watched it all the way through. I was the ending shocked and surprised me beyond no end. I did not see it coming, and it was like, holy smokes, what is this? You know, I was I'd seen images from the shower scene, and when that happened early, I was shocked by that. That's how like you know fresh I was to it. And I remember my bedroom looks out onto. In England, it looks out like onto the front garden where the cars are parked and stuff. My mum was out there for some reason. I remember opening my window and being like, I've just seen Psycho. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, I don't know where I'm going <laughs> to go from here. You're like screaming out the window. Yeah. Mother, I was, yeah, I've I was just like, watched Psycho. I couldn't, but yeah, exactly. I could not believe how good this film was. Yeah. And that was, I, I feel like when I look back on it, that was the moment I was like, okay. The these movies are amazing. I need to spend all my life watching these things. Nice. And I think every like 
trip to the cinema since has been trying to reach the point of the first time I saw Psycho. Yeah. You should just do that every time you watch a new movie. Just open just your window and window. S- yeah, <laughs> to your mom. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, and just like it. yeah, just make a just start making a bunch of TikToks of yourself. Yeah, that. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Psycho is is amazing. Um, I, when I was at uni, I watched it six times in a week because I just. I seem to get addicted to it a little bit and just watched it again and again and again. You watched it and three it, times in one day too, right? I did, one yeah. Of the days, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the days. Yeah, I watched it at uni. I watched it when I got back home and that night it was on TV. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just brilliant from start to finish. Um, and I could, like, I, I watched it pretty much all day once. So when I say yeah. I could watch it all day, I'm not exaggerating i really could exactly yeah but this time yeah we've watched it a few times so coming to this it's not like a shock anymore about where it goes um but this is so rich there's so much in there to kind of keep digging away at um i mean he's very interested in faces i feel like in this one we get so many close-ups of people either giving news or like processing it um and i like that a lot i like the um you know especially with norman when he's when arbogast shows up and he's kind of trying to i don't know trick him and not give anything away and then he's like oh no she didn't trick my mother and it's like oh norman (laughs) you idiot you know you're just setting it up um and then there's that brilliant camera angle that's kind of from below and he like leans over the camera to look at the what Arbogast is looking at, like the book, and it's just like his neck and his chin. It's such a bizarre angle, you know. It's yeah. like something I've never seen before. And every time it shows up, it kind of I get like a little thrill. I'm just like, this is brilliant. I don't feel like I'm ever going to see this shot again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's the way that he's like chewing on his little snack mm-hmm. too. It's like, what a bizarre, I know, angle. Yeah, I don't know. Like it just adds so much kind of creepiness to it. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know what would possess someone to be like, okay, let's just shoot him from underneath, have him lean over. I feel like that's gonna work. And keep chewing. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. Well um, it uh yeah, he used his film crew from the Alfred Hitchcock's presents also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't know. They were probably just used to shooting in a way where they're very quick on their feet as yeah. far as like... Because a, a, to shoot a TV show, it's totally different than shooting a movie. As far as the pacing goes, you'd have to be mm. much faster. I don't know. They probably just were at that point where they kind of just let their creativity flow a bit. But also yeah. Hitchcock is like... he Didn't he storyboard everything like crazy? Yeah, he, yeah, he wrote everything out. I, he said that, you know, filming it was the boring part because he'd already seen it in his brain. Yeah. So he'd already kind of mapped it out. He knew what he wanted to look like. Like, actually getting the shots was boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, the studio, I don't, you know, didn't give him a, a ton to kind of direct it. They weren't, um, I guess, super excited about this. It wasn't yeah. like one of his, you know, marquee kind of films. Um, so I think he had a bit of, like, 
route to manoeuvre. He could do it cheaply, but also, you know, add these flourishes in that maybe on, I don't know, Vertigo he didn't feel comfortable to do. Yeah. You know, mess around a little bit, shoot it in black and white as well, mm-hmm. which is very, um, by this time, you know, it was all full color and everything. So yeah, it's got the look, it's got the feel of like an independent film. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which is a, I think adds so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apart from, I mean, there's only what, you know, like three or four main um, locations. You know, we get the hotel room slash office in the beginning, Bates Motel, Sam's Hardware Store, and then like the the vicar's yeah. house or the police chief's house, not the vicar, the police chief's house, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, which is which is nice. I yeah. like that it's all kind of contained in the Bates Motel. Yeah, same. It also feels like. It it does feel like two different movies too. Yeah. And I think I mean, obviously if you don't get the casting right, this movie doesn't work, but like Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins both are the stars. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's not It just becomes Anthony Perkins' movie after Janet Lee is gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's and his performance crazy. is so good. Yeah. And even though he is like, you know, anyone could kind of take him. He's he's very like thin and, you know, spindly. Um the scene where she sees him kind of running up to the house when um Vera Miles goes up um to look for Mrs. Bates and you see him kind of running up the steps. It's so chilling. You're just like, you've got to get out of there right now. Yeah, well he I mean, right before that he like smacks Sam over the head and knocks him out. Mm-hmm. So you like you know that he's Yeah. He can he's take got a little her. something. Yeah. But just the time do you know when she kinda kind of goes halfway down the steps of the basement? The timing of that shot. Because every time I see a hand holding onto the banister, I'm like, get your hand off that, he's gonna yeah, see exactly. it. And as soon as I think it, she moves her hand away and he kinda of looks that direction. It's just I don't know. It's one of those things, I don't know if it's movie magic or if it's just really good direction, but it just, oh, it's so perfect. It's probably a little bit of both, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the brilliant thing about, uh, about a movie like this is because you want, you want there to be this constant, like, yeah, tension, you know, mm-hmm. just like this pulling back of the. I don't know the rubber band or the yeah. bow or whatever, and then releasing it. But you you just as soon as you release the tension, you constantly like build it back up again. Yeah, and like even when uh you know the car when the car he first puts the car in the swamp, mm. you know, story wise you don't really need the car to stop. No, you're just kind of wasting time. But as soon as the car stops, you're like, oh no. This is what I was going to say. I think this this is the most important scene of the film because if you're not invested in Norman, that means nothing. Yeah, exactly. But as a viewer, as soon as that stops and you see him kind of like, uh, oh God, you're like, it, no, please sink. Like, get rid of the evidence. Norman, yeah. you're going to be okay. And then yeah. when it starts to go down again, there's like a relief. But if you look inwardly, you're like, why am I cheering on this guy that's hiding a body? Yeah. 
it's very conflicting the whole way through you're not like it's putting you in positions and rooting for characters that you shouldn't be rooting for yeah and then uh and then when you get later you get the shot when he's sinking um the detective's car yeah yeah and then and then sam is like at the house it's like he's he's just in so deep now you know if you're watching it the first time you don't you think it's the mother right so it's Mm -hmm. like at this point it's just the shot of him you don't even see the car sinking it's just him at the pond you know what's happened and it's just that slow push in as his as his head turns and his whole middle of his face is in the shadow Mm -hmm. Um, incredible shot but it's just like it says so much like it says like um that he's just (laughs) he has this crazy mother like which we all like what would you do like if you had a mother that was just killing everybody like would you just try to protect her because she's your mother like Mm -hmm. uh you know so you automatically feel for him but you're like okay well two down yeah he's gonna have to do it again he's just gonna have to keep putting people in the swamp until they're all gone yeah and you kind of want to to do it you know you're like yeah norman not long to go (laughs) just a few more people yeah um i mean it's so preemptive because if you look at you know the nightmare on elm street films halloween films the killer is the the main draw it's what people are kind of like you know they want to see not them succeed you know you don't want to see them succeed but you want to see them murder people and it's i feel like hitchcock knew that before lots of other people he was like putting us in that position not as blatantly you know but we were still having to root for the you know the bad guys yeah um which is great um arbogast i feel sorry for arbogast how he dies um but it's such a brilliant directed scene i love the shot from like above the staircase and see her running out mm-hmm. you know um all these things just to hide the face of the mother yeah. um which you don't really notice until you watch it for like a second or third time that that's what he's doing it just feels yeah. organic you know um and there's the fact that we hear a different person as the voice of Norma Bates. Yeah. Which, again, you should feel like cheated because that's in there. You should feel like the film is kind of lying to you just to prove its point. Right. Um, but it doesn't feel like that. I wonder why. I think, yeah, I mean, it just, it makes, um, it makes sense, I guess, yeah. you know. It's mm-hmm. not like something that doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, having a split personality. Yeah, and I guess by the like you said, if we're like it's Norman's film now, we're in his mind yeah. to a certain extent. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting these tricks that are pulled that don't feel cheap, out of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's very entertaining and very kind of you. There's some forgiveness as the viewer for that. I think. You can overlook, you can kind of get past the fact that you've been tricked a little bit because everything else works so well. Yeah, because it was fun the whole time. You weren't like, yeah. oh, what's going on? Yeah. You know, the you thought you knew what was going it. on the whole time. Yeah. 
But yeah, then when at the it end switches, of it, you're like, ah, mm. oh, you got me. At the end of it, you're glad that you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because that yeah. reveal is like, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're not, it's not, you know, the typical thing of, um, you know, the murder mystery kind of genre where there's a clue that's revealed in the last minute that will tell you everything you knew. And if you knew that earlier, you know, at about 60 minutes, they're like, yeah, Norman's mother's been dead for, you know, so many years. But it's the fact that they that the police chief jumps to a different conclusion instead yeah. of being like, where you know Norman's pretending to be his mother, which is a bit outlandish. He's like, "Who is the woman in the house?" And then as a viewer, yeah. you're like, "Yeah, who is that woman?" Yeah, exactly. Or who's what buried is... in the grave? Like, yeah, said, exactly. Like... Yeah, who's buried in the grave? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's brilliant. It's so well written. Yeah, absolutely. That freaking dent in the bed mm-hmm. when uh, Marion's sister is like looking for her, yeah, is so denty. <laughs> yeah, it's so deep. That mattress must be so soft on the other side. All right, it's so much gift to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just so funny when you watch it now. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's Norman's creepy the first time. But now it's just yeah. like, yeah. The house doesn't oh. look bad on the inside. No, the outside it's super creepy. Yeah, he's. I mean, yeah. The shots of like, I mean, we know it's Norman now, but like the mother walking in front of the windows. I don't. It's so chilling and like, it gives you goosebumps. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. There's just. Something malicious going on in there, and I think that when you know that it's Norman, it's even worse because mm-hmm. you like you just know that he's, you know, playing his mother yeah, walking around he... a corpse. Yeah, that he's like, yeah, that he's just exactly that he's just kind of in there being crazy, and then he comes yeah. out and he's like, oh hi, yeah, you know, you want a super room? nice, yeah. And, yeah, twelve rooms, twelve vacancies. Uh huh. <clears throat> Man, Norman. All right, we got a few questions from uh, our friends. Do you want to yeah. get into Yeah, let's them? do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want me to... Spencer has a, a big block of questions. So, and, yeah. and some of them, Eli had the kind of the same question too. Eli mm-hmm. wanted to know about the Gus Van Sant psycho and mm-hmm. if we had seen it and what our thoughts were. Yeah. Um, Spencer... Uh, said not necessarily a question about Psycho, but I'm curious to see y'all's thoughts on the franchise itself with all of its installments. Mm. Um, yeah. As an avid as an avid horror movie fan, particularly one enamored by the plot of Psycho and everything concerning it, I feel it's not only important to look at Hitchcock Hitchcock's 1960 adaption, but the films and series that has built upon the original and transcended the story of Norman Bates and his motel. That said, what are your thoughts on psycho on the psycho franchise as a whole beyond the original film release in 1960 thoughts mm-hmm. on Anthony Perkins performance as Norman Bates in psychos two through four. He also directs the third movie. I didn't even know that thoughts on the performance by Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates <laughs> in the 1998 remake, as well as the overall portrayal of the story. Thoughts on Freddie Highmore as Norman Bates in Bates Motel and the modern day prequel and remake, if talking about season five. Additionally, 
uh, Vera Farmingo as Miss Mrs. Norma Bates, Bates's mother, uh, in having two huge names attached to such an to such iconic characters of the 1960 classic, does it take away from the legacy of the original, or does having fresh but recognizable faces help to enhance it? both in narrative-slash-cinematography aspects and for the marketing-slash-publicity purposes. Eli kind of had the same question, like I said, about the Gus Van Sant psycho, and kind of said, like, you know, the original is kind of sacred, so, like, does it take away or, you know, what are your your thoughts? Yeah, I think that in terms... I mean, we'll get to the Gus Van Sant in just a second, um, but... For the the sequels to the Psycho films, I mean, I haven't seen them. Um, I've got yeah. Psycho 2 um, on Blu-ray, and I've got it by my TV. I'm going to watch it soon, because I've heard that they're not terrible mm. in ter- like, as, stand- like, as films. I think um, we used, we're so used to films having sequels and prequels and stuff like that, um, that it's just a part of life now. I don't... I think we've talked about this a few times, especially with Jurassic Park films and stuff, where it doesn't really take away from the original for me now. You know, it's like it's fine if you want to keep doing the sequels. I just want them to be passable. Yeah. But we'll always have the original. So I don't mind people, you know, if that's where they want to go, if they want to try and make money from it, that's cool. You know, if the film's good, then that's even better. But it's not going to take away anything from the original for me. Yeah. You know, I can kind of distance myself from it. Um, have you seen the Psycho remake? No. Uh, mm. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen any of the sequels. Any of the rem- I haven't seen any of this stuff. So yeah. Psycho is. I don't. Know, I didn't really do it on purpose, but I guess it is kind of sacred to me. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, I'm just. I'm just not interested, really. Yeah. Even like obviously we've been talking up Psycho so much. It's an amazing movie, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't really, like, what what else would there, I don't know. I mean, and maybe, yeah. I'm, I guess the most interesting t- thing to me might be the show, yes. the, pre- the prequel show, mm-hmm. which I have seen clips from, and Freddie Highmore as Norman Bates seems like p- perfect yeah. casting yeah. choice. Um. And and it seems like that's where most of the interesting story would be, is to yeah. kind of show how, you know, that relationship between him and his mother and how she possibly drives him crazy and turns him into a mm-hmm. murderer, you know? Yes, yeah. Um, um, so I watched about, I think, three seasons of that okay. Bates Motel, and I didn't hate it. You know, I think that I just organically just stopped watching it for a while. You know, um, I know that this, the final season is supposed to be really good um, and like they finish it well, which yeah. I was always a little bit worried about. But I'm also of the same ilk where I'm like, do I really need five seasons to tell this backstory? Yeah. You know, like could have um, been a mini series or something. Yeah, exactly. But I'm a big fan of Vera Famiga. I think that she's great. Um, Freddie Highmore, again, you know, like you said, is a really good, is a really, really good Norman Bates. Yeah. Um, he kind of looks the part and he's very, you know, mothered <laughs> in the way that he <laughs> talks and kind of acts. Yeah. Um, now, the Gus Van Sant um, remake is is one of those films that is it's interesting just because of how it 
came to be made. I think it's absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's an shot for shot remake on purpose. Yeah. So they kind of so they just refilmed every single shot, but with new actors and everything. So every angle is like the same. The script's exactly the same. It's just in color. It, they're just trying to do see if they can recreate it, you know, um, which they definitely can't. I think there's yeah. just it just proves how good the original is. Yeah, you know, it's just it, there's nothing there's no there's nothing to it. The only thing they add in, I think, from my recollection, is Vince Vaughn masturbating when he's looking through the keyhole, like through the peephole. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my God. Which is again, it's like. Uh, I can get it <laughs> from like I know what's happening when he's looking through that peephole. I don't need it wafted in my face <laughs> for lack yeah, of a better exactly. term. You yeah, know? what's interesting about the the original in that scene? I was gonna say I forgot earlier when he looks through the peephole and it and then she's about to take off her clothes and it cuts to just his eyeball. It's like yeah. a super close up shot of his eyeball, mm-hmm. and then when it cuts back to her, she has a robe on. But yeah. that that time in between, you know what he's looking at. You know what he's yeah. looking at, and you know you can also see it in your own mind. Yeah, yeah. But just like I don't know, it's weird. It, yeah. It, but it's just classic Hitchcock, I think. You know, there's that yeah. famous famous uh, clip of him talking about how the like <laughs> the shot of the. I guess it's just a, a shot of actually Hitchcock smiling, but like yeah. how showing some so, a different thing before each time he smiles will change what you think about him. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like he's showing a kid playing, and then the then he's smiling, and he's just like, yeah, a exactly. nice old One man. Of, yeah. Or you like you show a clip of yeah. a girl a in a bikini, dinner. and yeah, then it's exactly. the same shot of him smiling, and he's like a creep. Yeah, you know, it's that mm-hmm. same thing of like, it. It's not even really. An, I mean, Anthony Perkins is a is a great actor, but it's not even him acting there. It's just a shot of his eye. Yeah, but yeah. but for some reason, we like know exactly what's going on. You know? Yeah, and I think it adds to Norman that he is innocent. I think the fact that you know, even the fact that he's tempted by someone because he's he's a man. You know, he's not a boy. Yeah. So the fact that he's looking through and kind of tempted and he doesn't act on it, he doesn't do anything sexual, I think adds to the character. Yeah. You know, he's so, even when he's on his own, even though he's not on his own, but even when we as the audience thinks he's on his own, he won't act on it. He won't, you know, do anything too disgusting to himself. Yeah. To her. You know, he's just a, he's just a voyeur. He's just looking. Yeah. Um, I don't think. Vince Vaughn works as Norman Bates at all. Mm, yeah, I don't know whether that's because we know Vince Vaughn now, so watching him in that role is very jarring. Probably, um, but you, you know, you can just tell he's acting. You know, all the way through, it's just. Whereas with Norman Bates, it feels like he's so distant from my thoughts on Anthony Perkins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, he just embodies the character so well, whereas Vince Vaughn definitely does not. Yeah. I would definitely look up some clips on YouTube instead of watching the whole thing. Yeah, no, I I I have looked up clips before, and I think yeah. the 
the thing that struck me, it actually is the scene you were talking about where um, he's running up the stairs and she's, you know, at the stairs of the cellar. Mm. Mm-hmm. That it works so well in the Hitchcock version, but somehow yeah. in the in that version, it like it doesn't work at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like to me, it's like taking a photo of the Mona Lisa. Like, mm, yeah. yeah, it's it's there, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, but as a film experiment, I think it's very interesting <laughs> to be like, this is a shot for shot remake of the original because we never get that. And I know, you know, that's the reason why, because it's awful. But yeah, exactly. Um, you know, why not just watch the original? Exactly. Yeah, it just, it mm-hmm. just, you know, maybe Gus Van Sant contributed to cinema by yeah. being like, don't ever do this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like now that it's kind of so readily hated on, it's very much like, oh, it's just an experiment. Just wanted to see what it, you know, if we could recreate it. Or just like have, I mean, I'm sure it was fun. Yeah, like yeah. It, 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 the process of doing it was probably just fun. Like, I mean, I might do something like that just for fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like imagine like actually having studio money to, yeah, to do that to recreate the sets and all this yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, the cast's really good. I mean, Vince Vaughn and Hank Julianne Moore, Viggo Mortensen, William H Macy fleas in it <laughs> you know it's like it's it's a good cast um it just like don't do it. it just doesn't work don't do it don't do it um but no none of it takes away from the greatness of psycho i think if anything it just adds more to it you know yeah. you go back and watch and you're like okay this is so much better than anything else yeah but yeah base motel isn't terrible from what I remember. Sweet. Mm. Yeah, it just seems like that's where that's the only place for the story to be interesting. Like mm-hmm. I don't like Yeah, I agree. What is Psycho 2 about? You know? I don't I'm not yeah, really I interested. Know, I know Vera Miles is back in it as well. Yeah. Um I th- the premise I think is that he's released from prison and she's like he goes back to the hotel. That and seems like a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it's just a. <laughs> I mean, but then you know, after because it come, it came out what eighty three, so that's twenty three years. Okay, after the original, so there's a long enough amount of time for you to be okay. This is an organic progression. Yeah. But then Psycho three, you know, not to give anything away, I'm pretty sure <laughs> he kills again because. Why would you do, you know, why would you do it without? Psycho 3 comes out in 86, so three years later, and he's like, he's back again, and you're like, okay, I don't, you know. It could and be the, really good, though. If he's directing it, if Anthony Perkins is directing it, I'll definitely give it a, a shot. And there's a know. fourth one, too? But that's the beginning. You've met Norman, now meet the mother. I'm just reading this off Letterboxd. Norman Bates recalls his childhood with his abusive mother on a radio show about boys who commit matricide. Oh. So this will be similar, I think, to like the the show. Um I mean they're all they're not like on Letterbox, they don't seem to have like terrible reviews. I mean that's two point six, so about half more, you know, halfway through Psycho three is at two point eight. 
Psycho 2 is at 3.4. So it's not, you know, they're not awful, awful movies from what I can tell. So, okay, but, interesting. Yeah, so, watch him. so is Jaws 2 kind of the... <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we got The Godfather 2. Yeah. So which... What what started all this bullshit? <laughs> Dude, I feel like as soon as... I mean, yeah, I feel as soon as they had things that they knew were successful, they would be cashed in on. Before, it used to be actors and, like, genres. Yeah. Um, but then as soon as, you know, the studio like, kind of... This yeah. type of movie works, but then once sequels started... Yeah. They were, they were like, ah, oh, sequels. Sequels, sequels, sequels. sequels. Yeah, sequels for everything, yeah. I mean, Jaws 2, what, 1978? Yeah, so before so, Psycho 2. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess with Psycho, it was kind of, it passed long enough. I mean, was Hitchcock dead at, by this time, by 83? Yeah, yeah, he was. So, yeah, they probably were like, okay, <laughs> we can do something now. Um... Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But, yeah. Franchise, franchise. Everything's a franchise. Wow. Maybe it probably, I mean, it probably started with like the Halloween and the slasher genres. This Mm -hmm. is just a very broad claim with no research at all. But I would assume with, you know, Halloween doing well and then Halloween 2, what year was Halloween 2? And they were just like, okay, we need to do more 1981. So, yeah, around the time that... Yeah. But it was also like, I mean, The Godfather 1 and 2 were pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Rocky 1 and 2, Oh, probably. that's true. Rocky 2, yeah. You were starting to... I mean, 70s and 80s, you were starting to get more and more films. But see, some of those films just seem like one film. It's like Godfather mm-hmm. 1 and 2 feels like one film. I feel like Rocky 1 yeah. and 2 feel like one film. Yeah. I think if there's like, an you know, again, with any sequel, if there's an organic way to continue the story, but yeah, that's perfect. Because Halloween 2, I don't hate it. I don't think it's a well-made film. I don't hate it because it's like, it takes place the same night. Mm. She's in hospital, you yeah. know, um, and Michael Myers is still coming. So it's like, I, I think that's fine. It's when it's the back from the dead. (laughs) Yeah, where they clearly died in the first one. Mm. Same with Alien, though. I mean, Alien 4 Resurrection, I think, doesn't Ripley die at the end of 3 and then she's back in 4? Well, they like, spoilers, I think they like clone her in the 4th, right? There's like a bunch of copies of her and they screwed a bunch of copies up and... Like well, this weird. is going to be our homework. Maybe we can do a, a mini series of us watching the other psychos. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could do a just a episode yeah. two hundred, <laughs> the sequel yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do a spin-off called the sequels, where we just talk about sequels of films. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Who else? Who else had questions? Zach had questions, but they're not really related to Psycho. Do you have any other things about Psycho you want to talk about? Um. One of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Possibly the greatest movie ever made. Yes. But you know, yeah. who are we Hopefully to say? I know. Yeah. Exactly. It's like I can't even agree with myself. 
we talk about it a lot, but I think like perfectly crafted from start to finish, Psycho is up there. Yeah. When you think of how hard it is to achieve what this film achieves, you know, to have you room for a character and then have it flip-flop halfway through and have everything pay off to satisfying conclusion, no film does it better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, I don't know if it's worth saying. I mean, I, I think people are smart enough these days to understand, but, uh, mm. you know, the film doesn't paint a great picture of uh, mental health or, no. uh, yeah, I don't know. Lack of help for yeah. mental health issues. I think, yeah, yeah the fact that Villainizing, you know, his mother died. You know, people with yeah. mental health issues, I guess, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, the fact that his mother died and he runs this motel in the middle of nowhere and nobody really checks on him. Yeah. You know, not all these people know who he is, but I don't feel like he's got any kind of support system. Even when they say you must have friends, and then he's like, no, I don't have any friends. You know, but his best friend and his mother, so. Yeah. 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 And it's it's about isolation too, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um for all you homeschoolers out there. <laughs> um All right. Well, let's see what did Zach want to know here. Uh He said recently I revisited the movie Heart and Souls from 1993 starring Robert Downey Jr. This was one of my earliest films that I saw in the cinema. I was five or six, where I vividly remember most of the movie, even 30 years later, without any rewatches in between. What is the earliest film you remember seeing in the cinemas that stuck in your memory even years later as an adult? This is a great question. Um, I feel like there's parts of it. I remember watching The Lion King in cinemas. Mm. Um, but doesn't I mean I, I didn't come to that years later as an adult the the one that springs to mind is AI and we talked about it on the show how my mum and I went to see it and I hadn't watched it at all from then in between and even though like things had changed I still remembered vividly big parts of it yeah Um, because I think I was expecting something different but yeah, yeah AI was the film that I saw in th- like cinemas and then didn't watch again until earlier this year yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, I have any you. that I revisited quite like that. But I, <laughs> when you said uh, Lion King, I remembered. Oh yeah, I I do remember going to see that with my yeah. older brother and my sis, older sister, and my grandmother took us. And halfway in the movie, when they're singing singing Hakuna Matata, mm. it was like storming outside. The electricity went out. Oh wow! And we were all like, "Oh, you yeah. know," and like, <laughs> and so we all just like went to the bathroom, came back, and then they were like, "Yeah, it's not coming back on," oh. and we had to leave. So we had to like watch it later. Um, but uh, what else? I do remember. I can't remember what the movie was or the whole movie, but I do remember sitting in the cinema when I was mm. super, super little, and I'm talking like. I must have been like three or four. So I can't remember what I was watching, but I do remember sitting in a theater and an airplane flying over the camera 
And I don't mm. think we were watching a 3D movie. Maybe we were. But the, the airplane flies over the camera. And I just remember the plane coming out of the screen and over my head. Wow, and, yeah. And I just, like, turned around to be like, where where did that plane go? Yeah, yeah. And I And I... So much so that I just like kept looking behind me and my parents and I remember my parents being like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you looking at? Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the movie was. Um, a movie that I do remember seeing the whole thing that impacted me a lot was uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park with good mm-hmm. old Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Because uh, I think I was probably eight when that came out. Yeah. And my parents let me go see it and took me and uh, some of my siblings, I think. And I just remember being terrified, you know, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that again, the tension that Spielberg is able to create, you know, mm-hmm. right yeah. up there with Hitchcock, the tension in that scene when the trailer is hanging off the cliff, the whole time I just had my hands like on my face, <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. Just like the part where, um, she like falls on the glass and it just is cracking and God. I mean, yeah, th- that film is so has got so many great set pieces in it. Yeah. I think people don't appreciate, but we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, I mean, not as good as the original maybe, but like, yeah. Oh, Julianne Moore as well. You know, Vince Moore, Vaughn yeah. and Jul- she's in, she, you said she was in the Vincent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, funny, and I guess this world. was ninety-seven. So, so the year been, after, yeah. So it might have been seven. So maybe Spielberg is the reason. Maybe. Look what you did, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, man. Just. I think. Yeah, it's like a lot of people don't think it's as good as the original but i i think because i saw it so young hmm. it, it'll always hold a Still, special place yeah. in my heart because of of watching it in the cinemas because i was only three yeah. when the first one came out so yeah couldn't watch that in cinemas no <laughs> i wouldn't see i didn't see the second one i saw the third one in cinemas i okay. remember going with my sister to see that yeah i remember going to the cinemas when the third one was out mm. and uh I think it was around Thanksgiving that year. Yeah. And a group of the older guys were going to see Jurassic Park 3 and everybody else was going to see it was like 102 Dalmatians, I think yeah. or something like that. I went to see 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> You're like this is where my um my loyalties lie yeah, with Glenn yeah. Close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Printed on a t-shirt. Let's go. <laughs> uh, um, oh, yeah. By the way, I guess we could talk about it. Yeah. Now. Uh, we have merch on we our do. website. Yes. So. We will link it some... to the in the description below. Yeah. Get some swag. Yes. Definitely. Um. Let's see. Uh, you can oh. tell we feel super comfortable doing this. Yeah, yeah. Give <laughs> give us money. If you want, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool swag. 
I would say. Yeah. Like I'm excited about it. Like I I created the Film Church Radio logo. Um and uh so mm. there's a little point of pride there, I guess. It's good to um, see it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um Lewis is wearing the hat right now. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah we'll um, have to put a photo up somewhere so people can see it. Yeah. Well, you if you go to the website, you'll see you know the mock-up yeah. photos of the merch. So, uh, yeah, get some swag. Get some swag. Um, the last question Zach mm. had was: As a child, did you ever sneak into a movie or attempt to? And were you successful? And what movies? Um, no, I was not successful. So I have a very life-changing moment. Um, the the James Bond film, The World Is Not Enough came out in 1999 and I was eight. Um, and the the deal here is it's different to America, but the, the rating system is like U, which is like everyone universal, anyone can see it. PG, which is parental guidance, you can go if you go with an adult. And at the time it was like 12, 15, 18. So you had to be those ages to go in. Um, the World Is Not Enough was a 12. And um, when it came out, I went with my parents to go and see it. Um, they asked how old I was, and I was <laughs> very honest and said eight, and they would not let me to go in and see it. Wow. Um, so I didn't see it until it was released on VHS like six to eight months later. Um, <laughs> and I still remember it very vividly because I was furious. I was so yeah. angry that I hadn't just been like 12, which is what they were probably just waiting for me to do. If yeah. I had said, I'm 12, they would have been like, okay, cool, enjoy the film. Um, but I didn't, so you they wouldn't let me see lie. it. No, so I've never really sneaked in to watch a movie, I yeah. don't think. My sister used to show me a lot of scary movies when I was a kid, because she had them on like VHS and stuff. Um, yeah, I got my dad to buy me Die Hard when I was like 11. Oh, but that nice. Was on, like, yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> that was pretty much it, because I was an 18. So Yeah. Um, what about you? Did you sneak into anything? No, not into any movie theaters or anything. I did have to sneak movies into my house, which I've talked yeah. about before. Uh, I would ride with my mother to the grocery store, and then yeah. across the street there was a GameStop. Yeah. So I would walk into the, I would walk into the uh, store with her and be like, "I'm gonna go to the electronics," but then I would yeah. just leave the store and walk across the street to GameStop, buy some movies some rated yeah. R films that I was probably like 15 or 16 at the time. Yeah. But they, they wouldn't ID me. So I would buy movies I wanted to see. Um, that was how I watched the Godfather the first time I bought like the box set, hide it in the car, yeah. wait till I got home, figure out a good time to sneak it into the room. <laughs> it was a whole process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but doesn't it feel like a treat even now? Because I know when I watch World Is Not Enough, I feel so lucky that I can just watch it. And it's not like my favorite film by a long lot, but I like I watch it a lot because I'm like, I can watch it. Yeah. You're like, I'm an adult now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no usher's going to tell me not to see this. Yeah. <laughs> I am the usher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned, I was like the biggest Bond fan at eight. So like, yeah. this was like heartbreak. It was like, just devastating. Yeah. It's like if we went to see Killers of the Flower Moon, they were like, sorry, you can't see this until it's released on home video. I would yeah. like burn the place to the ground. <laughs> like, sorry, it's going to be on Apple Plus. Yeah. <laughs> How times have changed. I know. I could have probably rented it the next week if uh -huh. it was now. You know? Yeah, exactly. Been a problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thanks everyone for sending in the questions. We yeah. appreciate it. Hope Thank that, you. you know, and if, and if you're listening to right now and you know, you've got questions about any films that we mentioned upcoming, then please send them in. Like we'd love to kind of have a discussion um, with you guys about films. So just go to any of social media, send us a direct message on any of them and we'll add it into the show notes and we'll talk about it. So yeah. If you want to send us a, a voice memo too, like um, everybody yeah. did on this show, you can, we'll put it in the show and we'll yeah. talk, talk. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Please want to hear more from you. We want to be more di- like open going forward. So yeah. this show is your show. Um, yeah. Anything else? I mean, Normally we'd go and rate it now. It's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like we both gave it five stars and yeah. a heart. Yeah. It's up there. Greatest movies of all time. So we're, you know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um But do we know what we're watching next week? Oh yeah. Um no. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> this was kind of that. like a joint yeah, this is like a joint choice to celebrate the hundredth episode. So we don't yeah. Who knows what we're watching next week? We'll find out next week. Yeah. This will be the first time that we just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the show will go on. Yes. What we're watching. Who knows? Um so yeah, if you wanna <laughs> let us know your thoughts on question mark, um, please send them in. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the show. The 100th episode is in, done. It's in the bank. You've listened to it. Thank you very much. Um, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio, and you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Selman Scope, and I'm at Walker Lewis 3007. Keep up with what we've been watching. Um, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on our podcast platforms. There's 100 of them now. Um, so please leave us a rating and review so we know if you like the film, if you didn't, or you'd pick for us to watch in the future. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Here's to the next 100 episodes of Film Church Radio. We hope you're with us for the journey. Um, the only thing left to say is... Mrs. Bates poisoned this guy she was involved with when she found out he was married, then took a help into the same stuff herself. Strict diet. Ugly way to die. Norman found them dead together. It's bad. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>